0: Governor Ron DeSantis vetoes new congressional maps
1: so Florida lawmakers will head back to the Capitol to try again
0: and a federal judge throws out part of the state's new voting law
1: this is the Florida Roundup from WLRN Public Media in Miami and WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville I'm Tom Hudson
0: And I'm Melissa Ross. This hour, how Floridians vote and their political neighborhoods. Legislators okay maps redrawing congressional districts, but the governor rejects them. What's behind his effort? Plus, a federal judge says some of the state's new voting law is unconstitutional. What's next ahead of this year's campaigns?
1: You can join our conversation statewide. Phone lines are open now. 305-995-1800. 305-995-1800 on the Florida Roundup. Welcome to the Florida Roundup here on Florida Public Radio. Thanks for supporting public broadcasting in your community. I'm Tom Hudson in Miami.
0: And I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. Well, a federal judge has thrown out part of Florida's controversial new voting law, saying it discriminates against black voters. And lawmakers are going back into special session this month on the order of the governor over the state's political lines. Now, later in the hour, we'll look at that judge's ruling and what it means for voting in this state.
1: But first, we're going to tackle Governor Ron DeSantis, who followed through this week with his threat and vetoed two different uh, redistricting maps that were created by state uh, legislators. The maps kept in place a minority access district in North Florida. It's District 5, the seat held by Democrat Al Lawson. Another seat that's now caught up in the matter is one held in Central Florida by Representative Val Demings.
0: Now, state lawmakers say the new boundaries they tried to draw comply with the Florida Constitution. It says political districts cannot be drawn to favor any party or to deny minorities equal opportunity to elect their representatives. But DeSantis argues both maps violate the U.S. Constitution.
2: In their, I guess, understandable zeal to try to, uh, to, try to comply with what they believe the Florida Constitution was required They forgot to make sure what they were doing complied with the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution.
1: Now, the 14th Amendment includes the Equal Protection Clause. Congressman Lawson, whose 5th congressional district would be redrawn, says it's, quote, absurd for the governor to cite a post-Civil War amendment aimed at addressing racial disparities. State lawmakers now must return to Tallahassee for a four-day special session. It begins April 19th. The focus will be on where to put political lines on the Florida map.
0: So what's at stake with these new boundaries? How will this affect the balance of power? How will districts with sizable minority populations fare in this process? We're spending the full hour here on the Florida Roundup this Friday looking at voting and redistricting, access to the ballot, who gets a seat at the table, how big is that seat. We want to hear from you from all over the state. Give us a call 305-995-1800 or tweet us at Florida Roundup.
1: We'll begin with State Representative Kelly Skidmore, the ranking Democratic member of the Congressional Redistricting Subcommittee in the Florida State House. Representative Skidmore, welcome to Florida Public Radio. Thanks for your time today.
3: Thank you very much for having me. It's
1: do a you, pleasure to be here. Do you believe the maps sent to the governor violate the U.S. Constitution?
3: No, uh, I do not. I think that. Um, We had a very unusual redistricting process this decade, more unusual than um, a redistricting process would would typically be uh, due to the um, interjection of the governor. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we sent two competing maps, I, I think, was problematic. However, if you take them each individually, I don't personally um, believe they they uh, violate the U.S. or Florida Constitution.
1: Uh, both constitutions in play here because of the fair districts amendment to the Florida state constitution passed by state uh, voters uh, uh, many years ago. It requires that political districts uh, be compact and contiguous, not favor a political party and should not shrink the ability of minorities to elect members to Congress. Uh, The governor seems to kind of find these two things in conflict, the Fair District Amendment in Florida, as well as the 14th Amendment in the U.S. Constitution. Can the the Fair District's requirement in the state be accomplished and also follow the Equal Protection Clause under the U.S. Constitution?
3: Certainly. It has in the past, and it will continue to be able to do so. Um, One man's opinion doesn't um, necessarily dictate uh, whether or not that passes the test so there is a difference of opinion um, and ultimately if it must go to the court the court will decide there are lawsuits that are filed so ultimately that may happen regardless uh,
1: what happens if the legislature and the governor can't agree usually those court tests come after a governor's signature on political boundaries, and then uh, advocacy groups challenge those maps. But in this case, you may not get a map with the governor's signature to challenge.
3: Correct, and in that case, it is the court's obligation to draw the maps. So that's that's the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and If the legislature uh, were not able to pass maps, um, that the court approved, ultimately, the court could draw those maps as well, even if the legislature and governor agreed. Um, so th- th- through that protest process, right. through those lo- that lawsuit pro- pro- uh, process, the courts could ultimately say, you guys can't get it right. We're going to do it.
1: We're speaking with uh, Democratic Representative Kelly Skidmore. Uh, she is the ranking Democratic member of the Congressional Redistricting Subcommittee in the Florida House. Uh, She and all the Florida lawmakers will be going back to Tallahassee later on this month to uh, take another shot at drawing congressional boundaries in the state of Florida as the governor rejected the maps that were sent to him. Uh, He vetoed them this week. We'd like to hear from you, 305-995-1800, 305-995-1800. How political boundaries are drawn in Florida can have consequences. In the U.S. House of Representatives, with thin... uh, differences between Republican and Democratic control. Uh, Representative, the legislature was trying to create some maps that would survive a court challenge, I presume. Uh, Lawsuits have already been filed in federal and state courts asking judges to take over this process. Uh, uh, Will, do you think lawmakers ultimately deliver a map in uh, late April that the governor can sign? That the governor wants to sign?
3: So, um, as I mentioned at the, at the top of the conversation, this has been a very unusual process with um, the governor, in my opinion, interfering uh, from the beginning. So the legislature is charged with uh, this constitutional requirement. We had two constitutional requirements this year as opposed to any other year when <laughs> yeah. we typically just have the one budget. Right. So this was our constitutional requirement to redraw the districts for the legislature and for Congress. It's particularly important this year for Florida because there is an additional congressional district. So we now have 28. The, the problem that we have is when you in, in a different year, a different decade, um, it, it, you could go and, and candidates could run on the existing maps um, if you weren't able to get to uh, maps before qualifying. And we don't have that option this Mm, year. mm -hmm. We have 28 districts that have to be identified and delineated in time for qualifying, um, which is the second week of June. So we really, um, the process is created so that people and candidates will know what they need to know in order to do that. And if the legislature can't do it, the courts will. The, The fact is that, if you read between the lines in the memo that the speaker and the president uh, sent out, um, their goal is to have a map that the legislature will approve and the governor will sign. The only way to do that is to do exactly what the governor wants. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. that is most likely what the Republican leadership will do. As you know, the Democrats are severely outnumbered. Um, this is a Republican led um, uh, process. and uh, if you read between the lines in that memo, it sounds as if they are going to do what the governor wants, which, in my opinion, um, and that of many of my colleagues, eliminates minority access uh, to Congress.
0: Let me ask you about that, Representative Skidmore. Let's talk a little bit about the North Florida seat, Congressional District 5. It's now held by Democratic Representative Al Lawson. Uh, His district would essentially be dismantled, uh, could be replaced with a Jacksonville-based district, but still could be drawn in such a way that it would be very difficult for Lawson to be reelected. The same could be said of the district in Central Florida held by Representative Val Demings, an African-American Democrat. She's also running for the U.S. Senate against Marco Rubio. These districts are put in place for a reason, to make sure that African American voters aren't sidelined too much in the political process. So what's your reaction to, frankly, the outrage, uh, particularly among some Black voters in Florida who feel that this is running afoul of decades of work to make sure that uh, voters of color have at least somewhat of a seat at the table when it comes to voting in elections?
3: So I want to sort of go back to your your first statement that the seat is currently held by Al Lawson, Congressional District 5, but let's remember, no district can be drawn to benefit an incumbent or a political party. So that is not the reason to draw the district. The, The reason to draw the district is not for Al Lawson or Val Demings it is for minority representation. And that's what the Florida Constitution requires in its tier one obligations that uh, legislators have to apply when drawing the maps. So as as it was mentioned, they they need to be contiguous. Um, They need to not diminish the ability for minority and language minority populations to elect the candidate of their choice. So on both maps, That were sent to the governor uh whichever one he wanted to choose uh uh, he could have and and that those those tier one obligations are met so what the the governor wants is to eliminate the ability for minority populations and language minority populations to elect the candidate of their choice and that is in direct violation to the tier one uh level Uh, that the Constitution, Florida Constitution requires. So in order to give the governor what he wants, the legislature is is going to have to violate the Constitution. And in which case, the courts are going to draw the maps.
0: And let me, let's be clear with what you're saying. What you're saying is that minority access districts under the Florida Constitution take higher priority than the other compelling interest, which is to draw contiguous compact lines. Is that accurate to say?
3: Close. Um, contiguous is a tier one requirement, compact is a tier two requirement. So um, for those of you who may have been paying attention during the entire legislative redistricting process, tier two uh, compactness was front and center in every conversation that we had. Um, and it's it's great uh, to improve that compactness. It was a laudable goal, um, but it was in fact tier two, and the governor uh, the governor sent an attorney to represent his case to our congressional redistricting subcommittee meeting, who happened to have been uh, Mr. Popper of the Polesby Popper uh, compactness measure, um, and through that testimony that he provided. There was nothing that we could take away that proved to us that our map, our original map, violated the U.S. Constitution.
0: It's 305 995 Tweet us at Florida Roundup as we talk about how the political lines of power are drawn in Florida. We're speaking with Democratic Representative, State Representative Kelly Skidmore. We contacted three Republican state senators involved in this process. Uh, invited them to also discuss it. No one accepted our invitation, but the phone lines are open to everybody. So call us up right now, 305-995-1800. Jim in Jacksonville. Hi, Jim.
1: Hi. Uh, as a longtime Florida resident, I have noticed that every 10 years our politicians, both Democrat and Republican, go through this exercise of who's gerrymandering what. And until we get politics out of this and get nonpartisan committees and groups putting voter, uh, shall we say, districts together, uh, we are going to continue to have this issue. And in all honesty, how this gerrymandering occurred is what has created the polarization, not only within our state, but within our nation. Thank you very much.
0: All right, Jim. So Representative Skidmore. Should this process even be in the hands of the legislature? Of course, by law, by state law, you and your colleagues are in charge of this, but is there a way to look at setting up an independent commission uh, as some other states have done?
3: Yes, certainly. Uh, many other states have that um, opportunity for nonpartisan uh, individuals to, uh, in a committee or, or, uh, or, uh, council, uh, be responsible for drawing the, the maps. Um, it's, it, it still has its level of politics because someone needs to appoint those folks and it's typically whoever is in power. Um, so depending on how that independent quote unquote independent, um, committee is created, yes, that would take much of the politics out of it. Um, I, I will say that, um, it's it's it you if you look at where we are right now with the legislative maps, there are many incumbents who were paired uh, together, and so decisions uh, have to be made. And the Republican leadership, who responsible for drawing those maps, will tell you they didn't look at where anybody lived. Uh, they had no uh, addresses for individuals, um, and they did the best they could. And that could be why there were no challenges. To the legislative maps, um, they seemed fairly drawn. They met the criteria for the, the Florida Constitution and the U.S. Constitution, and um, and they didn't benefit or um, or or uh, hinder any individual uh, incumbent or political party. The congressional maps, however, is where we're we're having the big problem.
1: Yeah, Representative and, Kimmer, let me just interrupt because we have just yes. a few minutes left here, and uh, sure. apologies for that. But I want to get one more question and related back to race, because race and voting really is at the heart of uh, the debate that you and your colleagues are going to be having in uh, in the middle of this month. The governor has argued that the United States Supreme Court has assumed that complying with the federal Voting Rights Act is a compelling interest. Uh, If race is a main factor when drawing a district, but he says there's no definitive court decision that uh, that kind of plants that as a precedent. What's your response to that?
3: The fact that the existing congressional district five was drawn by the courts should be de facto supported by the court.
1: By the Supreme Court, you're saying by the United States Supreme Court,
3: by the Florida Supreme Court.
1: The governor also says that the legislature didn't provide a compelling interest when drawing uh, the maps that he was given after this legislative session if race was a main factor. Uh, do you agree that there was no compelling interest? Did the legislature come up short?
3: I'm not— I. I- I'm not sure I understand the question. To be honest, I apologize. So, um, so the governor wrote, wrote a
1: me- memo in February, uh, projecting the fact that he was going to reject these maps. And in that memo, fr- from one of his uh, uh, general counsel, one of his lawyers, uh, the argument was that the legislature was not providing a compelling interest uh, if race is a main factor redrawing a district.
3: I I don't I don't agree. Um, the the maps that that were drawn by the Senate and the House. And then that's the process. The mm-hmm. House draws the House maps, Senate draws the Senate maps, and then each chamber draws congressional maps. We come together in a conference and, and we, we hammer out the details. The, the legislature acquiesced to enormous political pressure and bullying by the governor to create this two map process that befuddled everyone and muddied the entire process. So if anyone is to blame for the the mess that we find ourselves in, it is Governor DeSantis.
0: Well, State Representative Kelly Skidmore, I want to thank you for being with us. She's the ranking Democratic member of the Congressional Redistricting Subcommittee in the Florida House. Thanks so much.
3: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Your calls in a moment here on the Florida Roundup. Get on the line. It's 305-995-1800. We'll be right back. This is the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. Welcome back to the Florida Roundup. Thanks for listening. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville.
1: In Miami, I'm Tom Hudson. We're talking about political boundaries, voting in the state of Florida, and we'd love to hear from you, Republican, Democrat, NPA. It's the same phone number for everybody. We're all on the hotline, 305 995 1800. 305 995 1800. The same handle on Twitter. Doesn't matter what political stripe or color you have, it's at Florida Roundup on twitter all right let's hear from steve has been listening in and joining us from jupiter steve thanks for calling you're on the radio
2: no, thank you guys um yeah i think that you know my general concern is that you know all these efforts seem to be oriented towards limiting the basic underlying principle that every eligible voter should be entitled to vote and should be able to get adequate representation in government and whether it's democrat or republican
1: I really do have concerns that that that's not really being achieved and that we play politics
2: with our underlying principles of democracy and our voting Mm -hmm. rights. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Steve, I appreciate that uh, perspective. Later on in the program, we're going to talk about a uh, federal judge ruling uh, portion of Florida's most recent voting reform law unconstitutional. 305-995-1800
0: 305 995 tweets to at Florida Roundup. Lots of tweets coming into the show. Some critical of the governor. Here's one from Lisa. The governor is using the courts to benefit his political aspirations. He's trying to strangle the First Amendment, discriminate against LGBT, bullying teachers. Uh, there's been so much that we've covered on this show, uh, other topics that have generated fierce debate in this state. And we will continue to do that. But for now, we're going to continue with the discussion on voting and redistricting as we welcome a noted national expert. It's Dr. Michael McDonald, associate professor at the University of Florida's Department of Political Science. Dr. McDonald, always good to have you. Thanks for joining us.
2: Great to be with you.
0: So, you know what? You tweeted this week that in your words, you said Florida is playing with fire in the upcoming special redistricting session. What'd you mean by that?
2: Well, I was um, making a parallel with the recent court ruling that overturned certain elements of SB 90. And in that um, decision, the court did something fairly extraordinary, which was it placed uh, Florida under uh, preclearance Of the Voting Rights Act. And recently in 2013, the US Supreme Court had basically neutered a part of this preclearance regime that the federal government imposed upon states and localities across the country um, in finding Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act, which described which states and localities had to provide preclearance of their election laws to the federal government. Found the US Supreme Court found that coverage formula unconstitutional. A few Florida counties were covered by that, by the way, but now no Florida county or the state was covered under section five preclearance. And now it finds itself there again because a federal court, uh, the judge said that on the three election area issues that he found unconstitutional or in violation of the Federal Voting Rights Act, He was going to impose um, um, pre-clearance for any election law changes in those areas for the next 10 years so the legislature couldn't go back and pass another law that effectively did the same thing that he just found unconstitutional. And what what makes this elevates the stakes for what happens in redistricting because um, the determination for the sort of pre-clearance regime that the court imposed which is permissible in the Voting Rights Act. Courts can do this, it's just extraordinary when they do it. There's been maybe 48 times in the history of the Voting Rights Act that this has actually taken place. Um, One of those uh, bits of evidence that courts look at is what happens in other election laws. And so now if the legislature does anything in a way that could be in violation of the Voting Rights Act with respect to the congressional redistricting, Um, the fact that the um, federal court just found intentional racial discrimination in the voting laws will be a factor that could play into any sort of federal action that may happen uh, with the congressional redistricting. So the, the stakes have been elevated, is basically what that tweet was trying to get at. And the um, complexities of race and the federal law um, have been elevated in the discussions of what's going to happen here uh, with the congressional redistricting. Hmm.
0: Yeah, there there could be unintended consequences uh, maybe then is what I hear you saying with regard to what the legislature is going to do. So there are two big things happening this week. One, the lawmakers are being yanked back to Tallahassee to redraw the maps per the governor's order. And then, two, as you said, a federal judge has struck down parts of the controversial voting law that Governor DeSantis championed, saying that it's too discriminatory against black voters. Let me ask you, uh, Professor McDonald, some published reports have indicated the governor is pursuing a litigation strategy that he's, he's not just trying to eliminate minority access districts in Florida, but also ultimately hoping to get the courts to weaken or, or even overturn parts of the 1965 Voting Rights Act. What are your thoughts about that?
2: Well, uh, this um, approach for this congressional redistricting actually has very little to do with the Voting Rights Act at the federal level. It has to do with the Fair Districts amendments that voters, Florida voters passed by overwhelming margin in the 2010 election. And in that uh, Fair Districts uh, amendment uh, was language that says uh, that you can't draw districts that shall diminish or or do not diminish in any way um, uh, the ability for uh, communities of color to elect candidates of their choice. That was that old preclearance language that the Supreme Court struck down in 2013 in the Shelby County decision. Um, so currently, federally, you know, unless a court comes in and imposes it, there's no do not diminish uh, prohibition um, as it applies at the federal level. That prohibition is found in Florida's Constitution. It's not found in the, in the federal Constitution or federal law. And that's really where I think the crux of this whole um issue comes between the legislature and the governor the legislature drew districts for their state legislative districts that they believed complied with that do not diminish clause in florida's constitution if it turns out that um they go a different direction with the um congressional districts and uh, you know just let's be clear that fifth congressional district that's at the heart of this debate there's also the 10th in orlando but that 5th congressional district has about 45% black voting age population in it. So if that district is not protected by Florida's constitution, that means say here in Gainesville, there's a district that stretches from the east side of Gainesville to the north side of Ocala that has 29% black voting age population in it. And the legislature said that district's protected. We did an analysis, we find it protected. If that 29% district is not protected, Uh, You know, then you have to the whole state legislative map unravels and uh, you could have a a challenge, a constitutional challenge in state court uh, about the constitutionality of um, the state legislative plan, Mm. which means that all of those districts have to be redrawn.
0: Yeah.
2: So I, I think that's the main issue that's at stake here is the legislature wants to they don't want to go back and redraw their districts again if they can avoid it.
1: Uh, Professor McDonald, stick with us. We're going to take some phone calls here from Floridians, here from residents, here from voters, 305-995-1800. It's the same phone number, uh, uh, Republican, Democrat, NPA, 305-995-1800. Share your thoughts as well as the tweets are coming in at Florida Roundup on Twitter. Josette in Miami wants to uh, share uh, an opinion. Josette, thanks for listening and calling. You're on the radio.
4: Hi. Uh, I'm on the radio. Let me turn my radio off then. Hang oh,
1: on. Okay, Josette's going to turn down the radio because there is a delay, as a matter of fact.
4: <laughs>
1: uh, Republican, Democrat. Go ahead, Josette. Oh, you're live we with go. us now.
4: Hi. I'm calling from Miami. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, this issue uh, is prevalent not only on a state level, but also on uh, a local level. Our city commission. Just recently voted to divide the, the Grove, Coconut Grove, which has been, an, you know, just one district for decades and decades and decades into three districts. Now, one of the very first settlers in Coconut Grove were the Hem- Bahamian people, mm-hmm. so it has a very well-established black community. And the issue is that, unfortunately, we have three Cuban commissioners and a Cuban mayor. And they are trying to divide this community so that part of the grove, mostly the black grove, is going to be represented by Cubans. Mm. And this represents a big problem because the black community feels as if it's going to yeah. lose its voice on the commission yeah so this is really encouraging what Descendants is doing uh, is not staying on a state level it's I, I it, it's it's affecting individual communities like ours hmm. as I say coconut Grove is you might all know, yes. has been just one district.
1: Yeah. Josette, I appreciate you sharing that local perspective really on the ground. And I think important, uh, Professor McDonald, about uh, the tone, the tenure, the environment uh, uh, of this debate about a congressional uh, boundary, perhaps resonating down to city council, city commission boundaries in the city of Miami. What do you, what do you make of some of these efforts perhaps being more localized?
2: Well, there's really two points I want to make about that. One is that because the state has delayed the process for drawing the congressional and state legislative districts, and granted some of that was because of a delay of the census data, Mm -hmm. Um, now you have localities that are scrambling to draw their own districts and their precincts, and it's a mess because uh, usually election officials don't want to split these um, geographies, these precincts, um, because it raises the cost of election administration it raises the possibility of voter confusion and so all of this there's a there's a a, um quite chaos quite a bit of chaos that's happening all across the state right now as localities scramble to draw their districts their local districts not just the and they're waiting for the congressional because they kind of know what's going to go with the congressional Um, more to the point about south florida Um, There was a report that was just produced recently about three weeks ago uh, by um, a UCLA professor, Matt Barreto, who um, runs a company called Latino Decisions and runs uh, Latino polls across the country. Uh, He did an analysis of voting patterns in South Florida. Uh, I've seen it, too, uh, so that I can confirm what he finds. And that's that the Cuban-American population in uh, Miami-Dade in the South Florida... Is you know very strongly Republican. That's not a surprise. I think most people know that. Right. But surrounding those communities are non-Cuban American uh, Hispanics. They're from uh, you know South America. Mm. They're from Central America. Um, and, you know Miami in, in that area down there is is a um, melting pot of all different nationalities uh, from the Southern Hemisphere. So um, when it uh, there's an important thing about the Voting Rights Act here. And that's the the fact that in order to draw protected districts, and that would be both for, at, at the state level and you know, in our state constitution and the federal constitution, you have to have cohesion of a particular minority group. And if we're looking at Hispanics in South Florida, there is not cohesion, yeah. apparently, if you look at this. And that could have ramifications on the legality uh, the congressional and state legislative districts that have been drawn in South Florida, and even those local districts as well.
1: Professor McDonald, let me remind folks that you are listening to the Florida Roundup here on Florida Public Radio.
0: And lots of calls coming into the show. Inez in Biscayne Park is with us now. Hey, Inez, go ahead.
4: Uh, yes. Hi. Uh, uh, what I, what I have noticed is uh, that there are other states who that uh, actually have uh, committees or um, independent committees that do the redistricting.
0: And that's it's, right. It's
4: badly, and it's badly needed And, and yeah, and do, for,
0: we, uh, do we need that here? Michael McDonald, that question comes up a lot. What do you think? <laughs> and would that even be politically possible to get done here in Florida to get an independent body to do this work?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm very close to this issue. I just came back from Ohio where under a uh, court order, uh, myself and another map maker were uh, ordered to draw state legislative districts for the state of Ohio. Uh, we'll see how that all ends up in court. And the problem there is that they have a uh, quote unquote independent, but it's really stacked with partisans' uh, commission, and it um, voted along partisan lines to uh, adopt maps that were not constitutional. So, if you're literally looking at an independent co- uh, commission, you'd have to look at places like California or Arizona, where they have prohibitions on who can serve on these commissions and a partisan balance and super majorities and sunshine and lots of things uh, in order to get what you want in terms of having a, a as nonpartisan a process as possible, understanding that this is a very political process. How can you do it in Florida? Well, originally the reformers in um, Florida wanted to do that. They wanted to have a commission and they wanted to have criteria. And it turns out those are in separate sections of Florida's constitution. And so when they tried to put a ballot initiative on the ballot back in the 2000s, um, they failed because the Supreme Court said that's violation of the single subject rule. So you'd have to do another ballot initiative to get an independent commission. And that's very expensive. It's very costly. It may be what comes out of this whole process is people say, we tried to let the politicians uh, adhere to certain principles and they didn't follow it. And so now we just have to do this as an independent way rather than um, uh, letting them have control of the process.
0: One more question for for you. Kathy on Twitter says, why can't an algorithm be created to draw the lines and take the politicians out of it letting artificial intelligence do the job
2: well i've actually written on this as well and um wrote one of the first open source automated redistricting algorithms and uh, they don't work very well um and uh, the, the, even when you <laughs> you're just pushing back the 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 value judgments you're making to the programmer who's programming the computer and these computers will produce lots of different plans there's a whole range of different plans that they could produce And so there's value judgments after the computer algorithm is run. So you really can't take the human element out of this. You need to have humans involved in this decision making.
1: Professor, those algorithms are only as good as the data that goes into them. Uh, Dr. Michael McDonald, associate professor at the University of Florida Department of Political Science. Professor, great to have you on. Thanks for sharing your uh, expertise with us. Much appreciated.
2: Great to be with you. And I'm, an, I'm a professor at the University of professor. Florida, associate. Fair yeah. enough.
1: We're going to drop that adjective. Professor. So fair enough, Dr. McDonald. You're listening to the Florida Roundup on Florida Public Radio. Welcome back to the Florida Roundup here on Florida Public Radio. I'm Tom Hudson in Miami.
0: And I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. A federal judge has struck down portions of a Florida election law passed last year saying in a ruling Thursday that the law uses subtle tactics to suppress the black vote. Now, the law tightened rules on mail-in ballots, drop boxes, and other popular election methods, especially in the pandemic, changes that made it more difficult for black voters who overall are more socioeconomically disadvantaged than white voters. This was the ruling from U.S. District Judge Mark Walker,
1: Florida's Republican-led legislature joined several others around the country in passing election reforms after Republican President Donald Trump made unfounded claims that the 2020 election was stolen from him. Democrats have called many of these reforms a partisan attempt to keep some voters from the ballot box. Governor Ron DeSantis, who made the election bill a priority during the legislative session, said the state will appeal Walker's decision. So what does all this mean as you prepare to go to the polls this summer and fall? We've got big elections locally, statewide here in the state of Florida coming up. 305-995-1800 to share your experiences, your questions. What do you have about the voting process coming up here uh, this year? 305-995-1800 or at Florida Roundup on Twitter.
0: Michelle Cantor-Cohen is policy director and senior counsel for the Fair Election Center. It joins us now. Thanks for being with us.
5: Thank you. Good afternoon.
0: So you've hailed Judge Walker's ruling as a victory for voting rights organizations over new barriers to the ballot you say this law created. If the law had been implemented, if it hadn't been stayed tossed out by the judge, how do you think it would have impacted the process of voting here in Florida?
5: So this ruling actually um, enjoins a law that was in effect already because the bill went into effect uh, um, upon signing last year in 2021, and um, our case, the, the I, with the Fair Election Center and Southern Southern Poverty Law Center, brought um, on behalf of Harriet Tubman Freedom Fighters was a victory for voting rights organizations that do voter registration, specifically through community voter registration drives. And what we were seeing already uh, with that law being implemented from May until this ruling is that voter registration organizations were being forced to undermine themselves, um, and that was a big problem for the voters that are helped by those organizations.
0: And when you say undermine themselves, you mean more barriers in effect to, to registering people to vote
5: through specifically a provision, uh, which was referred to in the ruling as the disclaimer provision or a warning. So what the, what the law passed last year required is that voter registration organizations tell the voters they are trying to help that the applications might not be turned in. And what the judge found is that violated our clients and the other organizations' freedom of speech because are those organizations are the ones who get to decide how they talk to voters. This is a core political speech Um Right that they have to speak with potential voters and to engage them and to build trust with them in the community. And this law violated that.
0: What about the judge's order of pre clearance? This was extraordinary. Judge Walker ruled that for the next 10 years, any attempt by the Florida legislature to write any new laws on the issues he overturned will need court approval, essentially saying the state can't be trusted to write fair voting laws on its own.
5: Yes, it's absolutely a historic decision and it's very important to have preclearance because it prevent preclearance prevents discriminatory laws from going into effect before they have a chance to taint our elections. And I think hopefully we can all agree that elections should be fair and accessible and that everyone no matter who they are or who where they come from should have the right to participate in our democracy however discriminatory laws going into effect um have have been a problem since the decision that the supreme court made in shelby county uh, in 2013 striking down pre-clearance as part of the, the the pre-clearance formulas under the the voting rights act of 1965 and so this means that florida at least with respect to the specific areas of changes that the judge um wrote about that Florida will be required to get this type of preclearance and Mm -hmm. um, those discriminatory changes uh, won't be able to taint our elections.
0: Let me ask you as well, uh, the state will appeal. Judge Walker's ruling could be overturned at the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Atlanta. How will groups such as yours respond if that should happen?
5: Uh, So certainly um, I will Defer to the so a fair election center, um, has claims in the the voter registration disclaimer specifically. Um, and I, I would certainly defer to those counsel who brought the other claims. But, um, you know, uh, the 11th Circuit will, if the, the state has said they're going to appeal, the 11th Circuit would have their say next. And no matter what happens, fair election center and and I know our client and and I'm sure others will continue to fight for the rights of voters to participate.
0: We're talking voting elections, the district lines of the state for the full hour here today on the Florida Roundup. What are your questions? There's a lot to get into as we continue with Michelle Cantor Cohen, senior counsel at the Fair Elections Center. And you're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio.
1: The phone number, 305-995-1800, 305-995-1800, about the voting process here in Florida, how it uh, may change, how it may stay the same, and what the uh, judge uh, ruled this week about uh, the uh, efforts to reform Florida voting were unconstitutional. In St. Augustine, Daryl has been listening in on Line 8. Daryl, thanks for your patience. You are on the radio. Daryl, you're breaking up quite a bit on your mobile. I don't know if you're on Bluetooth or not. Oh, You're still breaking up there, but uh, let, me, let me try to summarize, I think, what you want to ask about, which is appointments to particularly the Supreme Court here in the state of Florida. Uh, Michelle, what about uh, the Republican uh, uh, appointees on the state Supreme Court side and this voting rights or voting uh, reform efforts, but also uh, Republican federal appointees on the appeals court and ultimately uh, on the United States Supreme Court, should this case go that far?
5: So ultimately, we just um, as lawyers, we need to make our arguments and, um, you know, fight for voters. And we certainly hope that the courts um, will, um, you know, will also, side with voting rights, Um, but we will have to see what happens as far as future appeals.
0: Frances in Fort Pierce on the line. Hi, Frances.
5: Hi,
4: uh, thank you. Um, I really do believe that um, what they're doing in Tallahassee and this governor when they strangled the overwhelmingly supported Amendment 4 and their other voter suppression attempts is just proof that white supremacy is still alive, just thinly veiled now.
0: Thank you, Francis. You're referring to the amendment uh, giving people with a felony conviction a path to to have their voting rights restored. Michelle Kenner cohen you know, in the judge's ruling, he cited Florida's long and frankly shameful history of racist policies when it comes to providing access to the ballot. And so... This isn't a new battle in this state, is it?
5: It's not. And that is really where the importance of this decision of uh, finding intentional discrimination and finding that that means Florida will have to get that pre-clearance preclearance from, uh, from the court before making further changes comes in. That is because of that racial discrimination and the shameful history here, and specifically with respect to voting.
0: Yeah, I mean, w- amendment 4, uh we were talking about the uh, the federal ruling on Florida's new voting rights law. We've also been talking about the process of redistricting which could eliminate minority access districts in Florida. There's a there's so many moving parts, Michelle, happening at the same time. So, uh that's why we decided to give it the full hour. It's it's a it's a complex issue with a lot of tentacles, isn't it?
5: Absolutely. And at the end of the day, what's really important is that voters get to choose who represents them and voters get to have a voice. And so all of these issues really go to that priority or what should be our priority is, is listening to the voice of voters. You know, politici- politicians shouldn't pick their voters. The, the voters should pick who represents them and who speaks for them. Um, in, in Tallahassee and um, at the federal level,
1: we've got one more uh, voter to hear from. I, I think Susan, you're a voter in Mount Dora, is that right? Registered voter?
4: Yes, that's right.
1: Great. We've got about forty seconds, but if we want to hear from you. Go ahead, please.
4: Oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm, my head is exploding <laughs> with all of this. Plus, I live in Lake County. This is the county of the most infamous sheriff probably in Florida's history, mm. Willis McCall, who was accused and I don't, I actually suddenly don't remember if he was ever convicted of killing innocent black men for false accusations of murder. This is the story that the Gilbert King book was about, Willis McCall. So a few decades later, the head of our county commission here has a husband, a doctor, who put a sign on his door saying anybody who's voting for Obama dare not come in here. So it's kind of like the, the people who, who have populated Florida for a long time are lacking conscience. How do you instill conscience in a population?
1: Quite an well, existential that's a question. question. For the ages. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Susan, it, uh, uh, I appreciate you adding that to the conversation.
0: Thank you, Michelle Cohen, too, with Fair Election Center. Thanks for all the calls. We're out of time. The Florida Roundup, produced by WJCT Public Media in Jax, WLRN Public Media in Miami. Heather Schatz and Natu Tway to are producers. Catherine Hobbs is associate producer.
1: The director of radio operations and the program's director in WLRN is Peter J. Myers. Engineering help each and every week from Doug Michaels, uh, Doug Peterson, Charles Michaels, and Josh Torres. Thanks, fellas. Richard Ives answers the phones. Uh, theme music provided by Miami jazz guitarist Aaron Levos at Aaronlevos.com. I'm Tom Hudson.
0: And I'm Melissa Ross. We'll be back next Friday at noon. Have a great weekend.